Hi friends, I'm Erin from Whalen Farms and Erin Whalen Online, and this is a podcast about my family's homesteading journey. From an urban farm in Washington State to 100 plus acres in Tennessee, this is our journey of how we got to where we are and how we are building our homestead from the ground up. Well, hello friends. I have my mic. I have my system back in order. I hope the sound is a little bit more crisp than last time. I almost didn't even make it on here this week because no joke. Um, My computer, this computer, so my downstairs one is just like pooped out on me and I have to fix it. So I'm up here on my upstairs computer and it decides it just no longer wants to charge. And so I'm like working on it, trying to figure out why it won't charge. I'm like ordering a charging cord. Turns out um, I just needed to update the system, (laughs) which again, when I say I am not techie, I am, I am being very sincere in the fact that like Google is my best friend. YouTube is my best friend. I figure things out just by scouring the internet for answers to what is going on. And so anyhow, I figured out to update my computer, (laughs) which just seems, you know, probably first thing I should have done, but I didn't. Um, So I panicked for about three days. And but anyhow, we're back at it. We're back at it. We're I have an extra charging cord now just in case one of them, the cat eats it or something and we're ready to go again. So we are here today to talk about kind of just common questions that people have on the homestead for like end of July, August, as we're in like the pinnacle of summer, we're kind of leaning forward and thinking about fall a little bit and what's going to happen with our gardens and our homestead and just what we should be planning ahead for um, as we enter into the last few months of summer and the beginning of fall. And so what a lot of people right now want to know about is kind of like garden harvesting and then also fall planting. Now, I know some places fall planting can't be done or there's only a few crops that you can do. And so you kind of have to search for your specific area. I'm just saying, sharing what I'm going to be doing here as I'm cleaning out some of my beds and replanting them and starting a few things indoor. Um, Our frost date is usually, I believe here, it's like late October, um, kind of even into November, but there might be a couple days where it'll freeze. But if you if we cover everything, you could have another couple weeks where there's no freeze again. Again, so it's just kind of what is typical for your area, and then also what you're prepared to do. Like if you're prepared to have frost cloth, or I always used sheets. Um, and so are you prepared to go with the sheets on the nights it's really cold? And do you have enough sheets, or do you have a certain just like you want to designate a few beds for um, a fall harvest, just so you're not out a ton if it doesn't work out in your favor some years you're probably gonna have a great fall harvest in some years it's gonna frost early because it does and so honestly the best thing to do for fall gardening is to purchase seeds now truthfully pretty much you can only purchase seeds there's not a ton of greenhouses or places locally that are going to have a ton of fall plants everyone pushes the spring planting the summer gardens and that kind of stuff but then once fall comes around all of the big box stores and everything and even the greenhouses there's not a ton of people who do fall gardening and so they don't lean into that and so the best thing for you is to purchase seeds because if it all goes to pot and you bought a bag of seeds for you know a couple bucks and you plan that you're not out a ton um, but if you plan ahead if you look at your frost date if you look at the back of the packets of your seeds you really see what you want to plant and now typically too 
um, when you're looking to see what you want to plant, you're going to look at the back and you're going to see the date of how long it takes to mature for the plant. And you're going to realize that in fall, it's actually going to take longer than that because all those dates and projections are usually based on spring where the days are getting longer and it's getting warmer. And so plants go by how much light they have. And as we hit summer, we obviously hit the peak of sunshine and it starts to get darker earlier every day. And so the growing time is going to just be elongated by the fact that there's going to be less sun um, and you're kind of on the backside of summer and the plant knows that you can't you can't keep things from the plants and so they're going to know that and it's going to take a, a little bit longer to mature so just kind of keep that in the back of your mind when you're searching for what you want to plant but I've got you covered if you want to know some things that I'm planting and some things that will probably work for you and so I'm just going to have a little list of the things that I am starting um, right either right now or within the next few weeks. I have still quite a bit of a window to where I can plant in August and I'll still be able to harvest for um, October, November. And I do have a plan to cover some of my garden beds. I have some old windows that I have purchased from um, thrift stores and stuff for like $2 a window and we're going to kind of fashion a top on some of our raised beds so that I can do, I wanna do lettuce all year long. My goal is to have kind of the salad greens all year because I don't know what, for me, anyhow, I find in the summertime, I want less salads because I have the tomatoes coming on that I'm eating and the peppers and I have the cucumbers. And so I'm just eating bulk. I'm not really throwing them all in the salad. I'm eating them in other ways versus wintertime. I crave salads more. And so this is probably a me thing. But in the wintertime, I want to make sure we have a plethora of lettuce because we were buying bags of lettuce in the wintertime last year. And bags of lettuce are really expensive right now and i could obviously just buy i should just buy you know the full um the full head of lettuce and do it that way but either way they've all gone up in price and so i would rather just do that myself um, for the nutritional value and just the cost um, effectiveness of it all so what i am planting now or soonish so obviously lettuce is the first one. Um, you can plant kind of whatever variety you want. I have some butter lettuce and just some regular loose, loose leaf lettuce varieties that I have. I'm just gonna throw out there and see what does good. Um, because of our intense heat here and the sun, um, I am going to use a cover cloth, just especially with the sprouting because the sun is so hot right now that it will basically burn the tiny sprouts in the soil. And so, I'm gonna give them a little bit of coverage, a little bit of shade to help them mature. Honestly, I could probably keep the shade cloth on them and have it do completely fine like the whole rest of the hot season. And I might do that just because the bugs have been an issue right now. And thank goodness, like as summer kind of tapers off, the bugs become less of an issue. Um, but we have the Japanese beetles, we have all the moths that lay their eggs all over the garden. And so, um, Oh my goodness, and now it's thundering and lightning outside. So if you guys hear that, uh, I apologize. That is a storm. It has been, I, on, I have not, like I'm not going to complain. I have not had to water my garden for over a month now, you guys, because we have been getting rainstorms and they usually start at night um, and rainstorms throughout the night every few days here lately. And so um, apparently last summer was kind of drought-ish for here. And this summer, everyone's saying the humidity is higher than normal and it's raining more than normal. So... <laughs> Um, we've gotten both ends of it, I guess. But anyhow, so apologize if you hear the, th the thunder outside. So lettuce, spinach is kind of another one. We're going to plant some spinach. I'll probably save that for a little bit later. 
kale. I'm not a huge kale person, but if you enjoy kale, that would also be a really good um, cold weather plant that would thrive. If you had a cover um, to kind of help it throughout the wintertime, it could probably thrive all winter long. Um, radishes are a really great option too. Beets, even some squash and green beans right now. So if you got your first crop of green beans, your green bean plants, usually I can get about three good harvests every few days from my green beans and then they just kind of die out. Um, and so you can rip all those out and you can start those again. I don't even think you probably need a cover cloth, cloth for those, um, but you'd have to check your area too. But yeah, throw some more green beans in there. My squash, the squash um, bugs this year have just, they were insane last year too. I never had a problem with my squash in the Pacific Northwest. I never had bugs on my squash. They I mean, I could plant a squash plant and it was like a guaranteed harvest of, I mean, whatever it was would just give me a plethora. And here, the squash and me are a whole different story. The squash, I am on the struggle bus hard with the squash. Watermelon does great. The beetles don't seem to want, mind the watermelon. My cucumbers are also pretty decent, but um, the butternut squash, the zucchini, um, the pumpkins, all that kind of stuff is just, <laughs> and I could, I could cover it. I could have been better. I was just hoping because I had been in raised beds that I'd be able to keep an eye on it versus in the ground last year where it was just, I felt like more prone, but, um, you know, live and learn. I will try to do those again, replant and we'll see how they go. So I got to kind of rip out a few beds in the next few days and, um, really take that. It is super windy here and I'm looking outside like, there's no tornado warnings. Every time it gets super windy or stormy, I check for tornado warnings because again, year two in the South and I'm still scared of tornadoes. <laughs> okay, so um, this is the next day from when I just said I was scared of tornadoes because <laughs> no joke, we didn't have any tornadoes. Um, but no joke, the wind came up so fast and we had had a thunderstorm warning, but it had been pretty decent now. And so we're like, ah, oh, whatever. Well, it just came out of nowhere. It blew trees over. It knocked out our power for the whole rest. Our power came on right before midnight. So we ended up having to go to my parents for dinner. Um, there was signs knocked down all over the place. Like, it was wild. It was wild. There was power out all over the surrounding areas for almost half a day. And we had had our power out yesterday morning too for three hours because we had storms the previous night as well. So <laughs> when I say it's been rainy and stormy this year, it 100% has. And again, like we've only been here this our second summer, so we have nothing to gauge this against. Um, but yeah, it's just been interesting. So I'm back the next day. I was supposed to have this out yesterday. I was supposed to have my email go out this morning, but when you don't plan far enough ahead and um, a storm comes and takes out your power, you just kind of got to roll with it. So we're just going to jump right back in to what I'm planting. So um, I think I ended on kale and how we were having some issues with our squash. So I'm going to try some of those again. Um, and then I'm also going to do carrots. So I was going to do carrots this spring, but because we kind of got a little bit late start, so we probably planted great when like the perfect timing for summer crops. But if I had wanted to do some more of the cold weather crops, we just didn't get our beds up in time to really have those um, produce well or have a good enough time to germinate. Because a lot of the cold weather crops are really susceptible to bugs. And so that's why you do them as soon as you can um, and then get them out as soon as you can before the heat of the summer comes and all the bugs come. And so like we had to, I did plant some cauliflower. So my um, cabbage did really great. My broccoli did great too, but my cauliflower just took longer and it, I had to pull it all out. I fed it to the pigs <laughs> because it was so mothy and worms everywhere and it was just, it didn't work out. And you know, 
that's okay. There is just going to be some years where some plants are going to perform better than others. Very rarely will you have a year where everything you planted was successful. Usually you're going to have some years where some things did really great and others just pooped out. And again, that's kind of gardening. And that's one of the great things when you do from seed is that, again, you're not out a ton as if you had bought, you know, a six pack or a pony pack of something and spent more money on it. So that's another just kind of advocate and reason I stress using seeds just because yes it, there's more time invested but um I, I find that it's just for me it's a better option financially to go the seed route um okay so carrots i'm going to do carrots this fall so when we did this the beds this spring i was about i had my carrots in my hand i had the seed packet i was looking at the bed and i was like no i'm not gonna do it because i just don't feel like it's the right time. I feel like we're just on the cusp of it being too warm and I just didn't want to risk it or waste beds doing carrots when I knew they probably weren't going to be successful and I could plant something else there that had more of a guaranteed harvest. And so we're going to do carrots this fall. Um, this will actually be my first year doing, I think this will be my first year doing carrots. Either that or it's been a long time. It's been long enough to where I can't remember. I might have done it at our first house. I don't honestly remember. But yes, yeah, so I'm going to do carrots. I have several different varieties. Um, and so I'm excited to get those in the ground. Carrots can be a little bit finicky, but I'm hoping for good results. But I'm going to do those direct in the ground, and I'm going to definitely wait longer. So I'm not going to do those for at least another month until the soil cools down just a little bit. And honestly, I think that's about all I'm going to attempt at the beginning um, of for fall stuff. My tomatoes are still coming on really good. I have all indeterminate varieties, which means as long as I am tending the plant itself, it will continue to produce tomatoes up until the first frost. Um, my okra, okra goes really strong throughout the whole summer into the fall. As long as you keep up on that as well, it's a really sturdy, solid plant. And so I have that going for me. I still have cabbages out there. I have made um, sauerkraut with some of the cabbage, but I still have some out there that I can harvest. Um, so many bell peppers um, and jalapenos and I actually did an experiment with half of the jalapenos and the bell peppers I pinched off the top um, to just see how the plant would produce because I've been told and you've you might have heard it going around too that you get more of uh, a harvest from the ones you pinch off the top because they grow more out of the sides and so I'm kind of doing a little experiment with that um, the ones I pinched off are actually taller than the original ones, which I was kind of hoping they'd be a little bit shorter and stouter so that they would do better against the wind. The wind yesterday from that storm, you guys, it knocked over so many of my plants. Um, and so I have to go out there and try to stake up some of my jalapeno plants and stuff. And granted, I probably should have done it, but they've been, I have most of them staked and even some of them that were staked still toppled yesterday. So it was just, it was an intense windstorm. I'm really happy when I made our garden, we did raise like, not raised beds, but like triple the, the height of the raised beds along the side of the garden. Um, they were just kind of like standing beds. So you could just walk up to it and it was standing height and you could just reach in. And I just kind of wanted that over there for visually, just I wanted it to look different. But I also am so glad that I put that there because it has kind of provided a wind barrier for the garden, which I didn't even think about when we put it in but I'm so glad because if I didn't have that there and the wind was just going straight through my garden that would have made it even worse so I'm actually thinking of doing the exact same thing on the opposite side of my garden next year just to provide even more of a barrier from the wind because um, I do have the chicken coop on one side and you guys I'll link to my garden again at the blog post of my garden so you can kind of see the layout um, in the show notes so if you scroll underneath all of these episodes you'll see the show notes and I will link to the blog posts or the links that I've talked about that are um you know, that correlate with what I'm talking about here in the episode. But I'm really glad that we 
put those beds high because I, I have my tomatoes against that this year and I definitely feel like it saved it quite a bit. Um, so other questions that I get a lot are, um, what are some effective methods of preserving and storing garden produce? Um, and so I obviously, like everyone, when you think of preserving, most people think of canning. Oh my gosh, I have to can all this and this is going to take a long time to can. And while I enjoy canning and I do can a huge amount of our harvest, there are several other ways to preserve um, your produce so that you're not spending your whole time in the kitchen canning all these um, all the vegetable and the produce and the fruits and everything that you guys have worked so hard. Um, and so I'm just going to list a few different options. So obviously canning is probably one of the most popular methods. It's really great for fruits and vegetables um, and it kills bacteria. It's one of the probably the ones that's the longest as far as, you know, canned products uh, can last for over a year or over two years um, easily depending on what it is in your pantry. And so the shelf life is, that's one of the reasons I really enjoy canning is the shelf life in the longevity is there. Um, freezing is also a really great option. I, I almost feel like the freezing sometimes gets there. People get do it too much because here's what I find is that if you don't have a chest freezer or a secondary freezer in your garage, you really don't have a ton of freezer space in just like your, your regular kitchen freezer. Um, and then if you don't package it correctly, it can get freezer burn. And also I know especially for me, like the freezer is kind of, you throwing things in there, the kids are going in and out, and so it gets messy in there, and you kind of forget, and some of your frozen stuff gets shoved to the back, and then you find it six months later, it's freezer burned, it took up space in your freezer, you didn't use it, and you have to throw it out. So I think going in it with a method or investing in a freezer, like a chest freezer that you can have in your garage or maybe in a different area of your house to where you can store things more it's not with the freezer that your children or your spouse is going into a lot and it's mostly like your dedicated freezer where you go in there and you know where everything is and it's easier to see because it's in a chest version you have more space and so i feel like everyone should invest in a chest freezer especially because buying meat in bulk is a really great idea too and so that offers you the ability to buy a quarter or a half cow or a pig or um, free-range chickens or whatever you want to do and so that just offers you and like if there's something on sale you can buy it and a lot of times i freeze butter i freeze flour i freeze so many different things and so it gives you the ability to be able to find something on sale buy bulk of it and store it well so freezing is great but it definitely has to be done intentionally not just thrown in your little inside freezer and just you know try to remember that it's there because we all know that that just usually doesn't lend to very good results in the end <laughs> um also dehydrating dehydrating um obviously is involving removing the water content from the fruits and vegetables to prevent spoilage prevent molding and all that kind of stuff um you can do a dehydrator you can use the oven you can even do sun drying if you want to um i do have a dehydrator i dehydrate a lot of the fruits uh when we did apples in the pacific northwest i would dehydrate apples a ton and the kids would just snack on those all winter long and that was really fun for them it was kind of it shook it up between we we had tons of applesauce too because I canned applesauce but sometimes it's nice to chew on something and so the kids loved that um, I would do strawberries with that too we would do peaches I mean we would do zucchini chips those are really good you slice zucchini really thin you put some like sea salt on it or maybe some garlic salt just some different things and they're like little chips and those are really fun the only thing with dehydrating is that I feel like it's a if you don't have a slicer, it's a lot of work to do, like to slice everything individually. And 
dehydrated food, it shrinks. And so it just goes really fast. So you dehydrate, you spend hours doing this dehydrating, and then your kids can take a gallon Ziploc bag of, you know, dehydrated apples and consume it in a couple days. And so it's trying to find an efficient way to do it or to, you know, maybe even section it out into individual baggies so your kids know I get one baggie a day. And so you can, um, you know, limit how much they're consuming each day by saying, hey, this is all you get so that it lasts longer. So that's the only kind of bad part about that. And then obviously I feel like you're consuming more than you realize just because, again, dehydrated it's just smaller. Um, okay, so we have the dehydrating. Then there's also the fermenting. Fermenting is one of those things I hadn't dipped my toes into a lot until recently, and I'm absolutely loving it. So like I just said, I made sauerkraut, which was so easy. I um, diced up about three of the cabbage that I had from the garden. I put it in a big old silver bowl. I used about, oh, I think it was a little bit over a tablespoon of salt. And then I just mashed it together with my hands for... Um, probably about 10-15 minutes until the water started coming out of the cabbage leaves and then I shoved it into a half gallon jar to where the water came up over it and then you put a weight on it and you actually just leave it on your kitchen counter for five I think you can leave up to 15 even 20 days depending on how how like a sour of a taste you want to it I think I did like seven just because we're dipping our toes into it and I didn't want it to be I think it's one of those things you kind of have to work up to. Um, and so that's really, really good for you um, as far as gut health. Anything that's fermented is really good for gut health. And so um, we have that that I just add to the sizes of our plates just a little bit. Um, no one's really complained about it too much. The kids don't mind it. I enjoy the taste of it. Um, I've also been fermenting milk. So I do raw milk and I do kefir, which is a fermented milk. Again, really great probiotics. Um, I do that and I usually turn them into... Um, popsicles and I actually enjoy the popsicles too so I make I just put some honey with it um, the fermented milk the longer you ferment to the sour it gets and because we are hotter right now in the summertime I've noticed I ferment for a less period of time so you just pour the milk the milk in with the kefir grains which you can purchase from like whole food stores if you know someone who does kefir you can ask if you can use a few of their grains grains multiply and so usually if you have a friend having kefir they have spare grains and you can ask them like if you're local you can ask me and I'll give you some because I have a ton um, but so I will do that with some frozen berries and I will just blend it all together, pour it in my little popsicle mold, throw them in the freezer and the kids get one a day and I usually make them every couple days. I make another batch and it's a great um, summertime snack for them. It's cool. It's nice. They look forward to it. I look forward to it. You can also do smoothie forms. There's just a ton of different ways that you can use um, fermented stuff. And then obviously I'm also doing sourdough, which is a fermented it's a fermented bread basically and so there's just so many different options I have not even dipped my toes into everything that I want to I have like a list of things I want to ferment but that's just a great option and fermenting gives it this this wonderful flavor that's just different than everything else um, and so I would definitely encourage you guys to just Pinterest is a really I think some people kind of forget about Pinterest nowadays but it's still one of my favorite places to go and just kind of search and typically I will make my own recipe up <laughs> because that's just how I do things but I'll usually look at other people's and I'll be like well I like this from this recipe and I like this from this recipe and I like this and I'll kind of take it all combine it together and after a while I will um simplify it get it down to a science and make it my own so that's what I like to do for any kind of new recipes root cellars are also a great option um, a root cellar is basically a um temperature controlled area that has some sort of moisture in it but not too much um you can do it anywhere but if you have the 
a regular root cellar. If you do it the temperature controlled way, obviously your things are gonna last longer than if you just do it in a regular pantry that has a similar temperature to your house. I suppose it depends on what temperature you keep at your house. Because we're in the South, like it's funny, in the Pacific Northwest, you just didn't have the strain on your ACs <laughs> that you do in the South. And so we would keep our house sometimes in the summertime 68 69 and here no joke but it's funny because you acclimate so i don't want to scare anybody but like here our temperature in our house in the summertime is 76 76 to 77 is what we keep it inside but when it's you know 90 degrees outside with humidity at like 98 percent, so it basically feels like it's 102 you walk into 76 or 77 and it feels perfect so it's so funny how you adjust and acclimate to different areas if you told me that in spokane that i would have my inside temp set to 77 and then my ac would be running all the time to keep up with it i would have told you you're absolutely crazy um but it's true so there you go i don't know there's there's a little bit of southern info for you if you felt like you wanted some or if you didn't, didn't matter. Um, okay, so pickling, which can be similar to fermenting. Pickling is really fun too. It's a great method, um, especially for like cucumbers and stuff, because you don't have to can it. Sometimes with a pickling, you can just um, you can just do it, put it in your fridge, and it'll keep for three to six months. I pickled green beans last year, and they lasted for a really, really long time. Honestly, I think you can probably use them past those dates. You just obviously have to use your common sense and smell it look for any kind of growth on it, check it. Um, I don't like expiration dates and I don't, I know that, no, I just don't like expiration dates because I know that they're a great way for companies to be like, oh look, it ran out or it's no longer good. You have to buy a new one or they're saving their butts in case someone was to randomly get sick. So I'm not saying don't follow expiration dates, but I just kind of take them with a grain of salt. I use my eyes and my taste buds and everything else to determine if, if I think something is good. And we've never gotten, I should knock on wood, but we've never gotten food poisoning in this house. Um, but I'm a rebel like that. So go with your gut. I always tell people, go with your gut on that kind of stuff. And jams and jellies, another great way. Um, my mom, we grew up having freezer jam. We did raspberry freezer jam, strawberry freezer jam, a mix of the two. And again, we always had a large freezer. And so it was very easy for her to, to make enough batches when the, when the berries came on to last us for a whole year. And so that's a really great option too. If you And that was, it's such a quick recipe. I don't think I actually have that one on my blog. I, th I should throw it up there. Um, but really easy, really quick afternoon project. You have jam for a whole year. And especially when you have younger kids, my sister was super into peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and things like that. And so jam and toast in the morning, just a really great way to utilize some of those berries. Because I know when you have berries and they come on, you usually get a lot in a short amount of time. And so that's a really great way to utilize them. And just to even freeze them too. Um, and you can make jam throughout the year by just freezing the berries, thawing them out and making jam if you want. So it just kind of depends on how you like to do it. And that's the fun thing about preserving and storing your food is you get to decide what works best for your family the space you have and the what you have available to you for storage options and you get to work within that and i can guarantee you that pretty much everyone can find a great way to store a large amount of produce you just have to decide what works best for your family and what you have available in your home um, and then making sauces and purees. I know a lot of people, um, so we really love pesto this time of year. I have so, I have basil coming out of my ears. And I actually don't use pesto with the nuts um, because I don't ever have pine nuts 
and it's and I feel like it adds to the calories. And I don't really enjoy the pine nuts in. It might be weird in my pesto. So I make a nut-free pesto, um, and it's so so easy. And it's really great. I know people have said, shared on Pinterest and probably seen it a million times on Instagram. But you put them in the ice cube trays, freeze them, pop them out, throw them in a bag. I like to do the. Um, What's it like the vacuum sealing? Because that's really truly the best way to keep things long storage. Just throwing them in a Ziploc bag and trying to push the air out and throwing them in there. That's going to get you maybe a month or two, but removing all of the air is really the best option for keeping it so that it'll be good, you know, six to eight months. Um, and so I definitely say vacuum sealing is great um, for like the sauces, the purees, and things like that. And then obviously the sauces and purees, you can also can, you can freeze them. There's different options with those. You can just store them in the fridge for a couple weeks. I did a huge batch of, we, so we do homemade pizza. And that's one of the things I think is great too before you do a bunch of stuff with all of your produce and all your things is like, what do you guys eat? Because if you're going to do pickled beets, but your family has never consumed pickled beets and you're going to do like 15 jars are they going to still be there at the end of the year because no one eats pickled beets? So you tailor it to what your family eats and then you try to grow that. And so I grew a ton of tomatoes because we go through salsa like crazy. I use tomatoes in all my stews and soups and stuff in the winter time, just really hearty meat dishes with tomatoes in there. And then we do um, pizza once a week. And so we do, I do the whole thing from scratch. Pizza dough, super simple. It's very easy. Um, and so I can pizza sauce and I'm canning. I do half quart jars. Honestly, I sometimes feel like quart jars are overused <laughs> because a lot of times there's not, I mean, if you have a, a big family, that's great, but we only have two kids and me and Travis, so it's not like a huge family. I think it's pretty average. And so a half pint jar is the perfect amount to make a pizza. And so instead of canning these big old jars where you're going to end up wasting half of it because you didn't use the whole thing, I'd rather can smaller jars and more of them and then if I need to open up two versus wasting something that I've canned because if I put so much effort into making it I don't want to end up wasting half of it because I didn't I wasn't able to use it in time and so the half pint jars of the pizza sauce I canned about 15 the other day but my goal is to can 52 because we do a pizza a week and there's 52 weeks in the year <laughs> and so that's what I want to do and so we're well on our way there um, actually, I'm going to do some more canning tomorrow after church I don't think I'll get to it today um, but I've canned green beans so far, just regular tomatoes, diced tomatoes, pizza sauce. We are like in the thick of it in the canning season and I just love it. There's always something in my kitchen going right now. The stove's always on and I just, I don't know, it's cozy to me. It's, it's fun and it just feels empowering to be able to just preserve all this things, all the stuff that you work so hard on. Um, and then just proper storage, um, proper storage techniques are just you can take a cabbage and I even had um, I had butternut squash acorn squash and I kept it in a cool dark place and it lasted I cut one open I think the last one I cut open was last month and so it was 10 months old and it was still perfectly fine on the inside so you don't always have especially um, also did I say cabbage already there's storage varieties and so i I bought a storage variety of cabbage and you just kind of keep the outer leaves on. The outer leaves might get kind of icky, but if you peel them away, the inside of the cabbage is still really good and you can slice it up and it is amazing. And you know, yes, as the year pro progresses, you might get some more squishy or the onions might start to sprout or some different things might start to happen. But generally you can cut out, remove certain sections and still utilize that produce. So you can just dry it or do whatever you need to do and then just set it there and it's just will be there for months ready for you to use and you don't actually have to cook it or do something to it or alter it anyway just allow it to be 
Um, and so, yeah, so there, there you go. I hope that that gives you some encouragement on other options besides just canning. Um, so we're going to pivot just a little bit. And this is running long, so I'm going to try to wrap it up. Um, how can I keep my chickens cool and comfortable during the summer months? So inevitably, I always get questions about chickens. And, you know, truthfully, I honestly think you do need to watch your chickens more in the summertime than in the wintertime. People always get so concerned in the wintertime that their chickens are going to get too cold, but chickens are very, very hardy in the cold. And don't ever put a heater in with them because I have seen so many chicken coop fires. My neighbor had a chicken coop fire and it's not your chickens are fine. They do not need a heat lamp. Please do not do that. It's such a scary thing to put in there with a bunch of shavings, a bunch of feathered birds <laughs> in, a, in a standard usual wood house. Um, they, My chickens went to negative 10 as long as you have nice thick bedding in them for their roosting material. They, You can't shut them and they still do need some airflow in there. So you still do need you know, to let the air flow through the top and the eaves and stuff, but they're going to be okay. Um, I think I had last year the chickens, uh, the roost got a little bit of frostbite on his comb but it actually like worked its way out and he was completely fine so chickens are so good in the winter time the summertime is more of an issue especially so like pretty much when it's really really hot out and I'm home I open the door up the coop door and I just let them go because we have a lot of forest and a lot of trees and a lot of shade and so I think that the best option for them is to be able to find a spot that they want to just hunker down in and hang out at and be in in the summertime heat but if you're in an urban setting where you don't really have the option of letting your chickens free range and they have to be in the coop then the best thing is what I would say is to get um, I honestly would think a fan is a really good idea you can get outdoor fans and I don't say that it needs to be in the chicken coop but it needs to be like facing into the chicken coop even the outdoor run it doesn't have to be inside I would say more the outdoor area and then provide shade for them I hope that half of your outdoor area is covered with um, a protection on top that protects against rain all that kind of stuff and then offer shade for them in the hot summer months they do need shade and then dust baths that's very important the dust actually dusting themselves and everything helps keep themselves cool and so you need to be able to offer that to them misters or sprinklers and definitely changing their water several times a day to make sure they have nice cool water it's not super lukewarm you'll find chickens you'll go out on hot days and sometimes they're just standing in their water because it just it makes them feel better and so access to fresh clean cool water all day long um, misters or sprinklers going up so that that um, they can walk in it they can choose to get in it or not the misters is really great because they can kind of walk through and it's not as it doesn't bother them as much because it's so small but it does still still does <clears throat> offer cooling I'm so sorry <laughs> um and then if you see a distressed chicken and you're just like a super chicken mom you can bring them inside to cool off but typically as long as you provide them shade fresh water air circulating and a mister they're gonna be okay they're gonna make it um <clears throat> excuse me uh so yeah they'll, they'll be okay just make sure that they have water and shade very very important um, and then if you want to, you can do like frozen cherries. You can get like watermelon, cucumber, cold berries, things like that to help them hydrate and stay cool if you can. Um, okay. I think that's, I think honestly, I'm just going to call it for today because I have a few more things um, like how to manage water on the homestead. That's very important. And as someone who is 
on the homestead and has ha- lost power several times and then had no access to water with animals, there's definitely some things I suggest doing so that you're not in the same situation as we were. <laughs> Live and learn. Um, but we'll talk about that more next time. Until then, I have to catch up on the myriad of things I was supposed to get done yesterday but didn't because the power but you know what you just pivot and you keep going through it so um if you guys found value with this just share with a friend if you have someone else in the homestead community maybe could benefit from some of these tips go ahead and send them my episode um if you think that it would benefit them chat about it with them if you enjoy this I'd really love a five star if you can that just kind of shows the podcast world that this is a podcast worth listening to and I hope it provides value for you And um, I will talk to you guys next time. Until then.